Oh yeah? Yeah. That sounds pretty cool. Check that out sometime. Yeah. Oh, hey, hey, hey! Welcome to the top of the hour here at 89.6 CSP Radio Station, rocking with you throughout the week. I'm Damon, your host, and hey, I have my two lovely co-hosts, Kylie and Thena, here tonight. Hey, say hello. Oh my God, thanks, Damon. It's Thena. And it's Kylie. Hey, we're having a special show tonight for everyone listening out on the band waves. We are letting you, the listeners, call in and give your can't explain, weird experience, otherworldly phenomenons, and downright spooky stories. And we are so stoked to hear all of your call-ins tonight. Yes! Like, doing a live show has been our dream forever. Yes. So, I guess we should, like... Just start with some of these calls, right? I've heard the board is going crazy with phone calls. Yeah, let's get it in here. Corey, uh, if you can go ahead and open up those phone lines and get to go. Oh, hey, whoa, we got some live ones out there. Hey, caller, you're on the air with Cryptic Soup. Tell us your story. Hello, our little cryptic soup creeps and freaks. Creepies and freakies. I am Michelle. And I am Courtney. And we're with the In the Nick of Crime podcast. And we're going to come to you today with some spooky, creepy stories. Some little nuggets of snack. our lovely friends at Cryptic Soup. Yes. Take it away, Courtney. I'm going to take it away. I'm going to bring you guys into the story of Siren Head. Siren Head was originally created back in 2018 by a Canadian horror-type artist known as Trevor Henderson, who is known for making various bizarre creatures over the internet. The first photo of Siren Head was made with one featuring Siren Head in a graveyard, and a story was written about it. Henderson also mentioned that Siren Head was very similar to the famous creepypasta character known as Slenderman. As both of these characters got edited into real life photos with a story being written around them, Siren Head is known to be a 40 foot tall unusual skeleton creature with a heavily emaciated near-skeletal frame covered in dried mummified flesh the color of rusty metal. Its limbs are extremely long and thin with arms as long as their legs, ending in a huge bony hand. In place of its head and neck is a thin pole of flesh with two metal sirens attached on each end, hence the name Siren Man. There are several wires snaking out around the neck and into the upper shoulders pressing against its abdomen. These speakers are the only metal parts of its body fused with the neck by tenderloins of skin and capable of swiveling around just like an owl head. Some images depict Siren Head speakers with toothy, lipless, human-like jaws and long, thin, retractable snake-like tongues, even though Henderson said that the teeth are only visible on certain radio frequencies. Due to its name, Siren Head speakers can play various types of loud noises, typically air raid sirens, garbled music, conversations, and imitations of people close to the victims. They also say that there are numbers of station broadcasts or emergency broadcasts as well. Trevor has revealed that the Siren Head is able to pick up sounds it hears from the airwaves and repurpose them, all while using this to try to confuse people, but yet it's a conscious choice on its part to do so. 
This makes Siren Head a very clever creature. When mimicking a human, a dis distinctive, distorted voice is always present. Due to the sound being played through sirens instead of vocal cords or the organic means of creating noise. As expected, Siren Head is a very hostile and dangerous creature and is known to be very fast and always being camouflaged and hidden. Siren Head is mainly found in rural towns, wooded areas, and sometimes dry forests. The victims of Siren Head are lost travelers, hikers, and even children. If the sound of someone in distress is released, it can be a method of Siren Head trying to lure its victims into the woods. Since Siren Head can blend in very well within the trees, people do not notice it. It could make its brutal attack at any time and capture its victims, while the sound of their loved ones are talking and being played to them through Siren Head's sirens. And that, my friends, is the story of Siren Head. My story that I'm bringing to you today is called Alone. I heard the crunch of the leaves beneath my feet. I couldn't tell what was louder, the pounding of my heart or the erratic crunch, crunch, crunch of, of my steps. My breath continued to quicken, no matter how hard I tried to calm down. Alone, you're alone. In this vast forest, there's no one behind you. No one. Alone. I kept my gaze fixed ahead to where I could see a tiny sliver of light. That light was where the nearest building was. I wasn't entirely sure where I was headed, but I knew it would get me out of the abyss. My steps continued to quicken. No matter how long or fast I walked, I never seemed to get closer to the light. Panic began to set in. I needed to get help. David was with me one moment and gone the next. He was snapped up by the darkness behind us. I don't know what was in that darkness. I heard nothing when he disappeared. He was just gone in an instant. We started hiking in the morning, but it seemed like daylight ended in minutes. Out of nowhere, darkness shrouded the woods. Everything grew eerily quiet. There was an unnerving stillness, but David and I continued on. We'd hiked this trail many times and it looped back, it looped us back around to where we had parked. But what seemed like hours, maybe days, had passed and we never reached the end of the loop. Time was meaningless. Where am I? I was growing confused. These woods were familiar. I'd hiked them probably hundreds of times in my life, but everything around me looked foreign. The trees looked different. The running river in the distance somehow sounded foreboding, and there was an absence of bird calls, and even the air smelled different. These weren't my woods, but it wasn't possible that we ended up somewhere new. Get help. Keep going. The crunch, crunch, crunch beneath my feet grew louder, faster. Crunch, 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 crunch. Every step I took began to echo. My pace quickened again. The echo of the crunches became more erratic, louder. I began to feel that I was being followed, but I didn't dare look behind me. Keep going, get help. Why the hell isn't this light getting any closer? Go, I kept telling myself. I didn't utter the words out loud, I didn't dare. Crunch, 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 crunch. I felt the urge to run, but if I was being followed, I didn't want to appear vulnerable. Stay strong, keep going. Find David, get help, get to the light. I realized that the echo of my footsteps sounded different. The crunch of the leaves had a different cadence, almost heavier, but I heard nothing else, nothing. I suddenly realized that I couldn't hear anything besides the crunch. No breeze, no running river, nothing. 
but I could hear the sound of my heart pounding deep within my ears. With the light still as far in the distance as it had been for what seemed like hours, I began to sprint. I couldn't waste any more time. The light was perched at the top of a hill surrounded by jagged rocks. I didn't know how to get up there, but I knew I had to. Finally, I seemed to be making progress when I approached a fork in the path. This too is entirely unfamiliar. I hesitated for a moment while I tried to decide the best route to take when I felt hot air graze my neck. Every hair on my body stood at attention. I heard a breath in my right ear and could suddenly feel a presence so close it was almost touching me. I froze, too terrified to move. Another exhale and a gravelly voice said, Run. Are you telling me that story's true? Because it's truly scary, all right. What'd you think, Kylie and Thena? That sounds fucking terrifying. Courtney, you got me fucked up if you think Siren Head is not one of my biggest fears in life. That... Athena showed me a picture of this thing, and I'm not... I am not here for it. That's a zero out of ten from me, dog. I'm gonna face neither of these fears because I'm saying, uh, no. Do you ever, like, take the dogs out in the middle of the night, and you're just, like... You know, like, middle of the night, but, like, 2 a.m., where it's just, like literally silent and ominous super ominous but we also live next to train tracks and so like the trains like like jam into each other and this is all that you hear and it is insanely loud but it's just ominous and then you just hear these trains and then any little thing startles you but saber is also a pussy and, and she'll get she'll get startled also. That is what alone made me feel like, and I do not like that feeling. It is very unsettling. So, so thank you for Courtney and Michelle making us have uh, nightmares the whole rest of the night. Yep, I'm now afraid of the dark. I think we need to take another caller. Oh, it's Morning Cup of Murder is our next one. Yeah, Karina and Killian, right? Uh, I love them. Okay, let's. What do you guys have to tell us tonight? So when we moved into the house that we are currently living in, we purchased it from an old family friend who, in addition to giving us a very good deal, told us that the property in which the house sits on used to be an old orphanage. Even told us that he used to find bricks that he thought came from the old building in the yard sometimes. We kind of laughed him off and went on our way. Well, pretty soon after moving in, we started to notice that our son, who was about one and a half at the time, was talking randomly to the walls and ceilings. Because he was little, the talking was more nonsensical, so we never really knew what he was saying. Jokingly, though, we asked him if he was talking to ghosts, and he nodded yes. Now, most people would have been freaked out by this already, but as the child of theater people and with a mother who is a true crime podcaster, the kid is pretty dramatically spooky. So again, we wrote it all off. One day while in my office upstairs, I heard what sounded like small pebbles being thrown at my window. Assuming it was my husband being funny, I looked out of the window, but it was too dark to see anything. Not long after walking away from the window, though, I heard it again and yelled at him to quit. He answered me from the living room and told me that he had never even gone outside. By this point, we're starting to worry just a little bit, especially when I start seeing what I think is someone walking outside the door of that same office. The final straw came when I was downstairs a few weeks later and standing in front of the sink. 
Because it was dark outside, the window right in front of me kind of became like a mirror. I looked up and saw what I thought was my husband standing behind me and reaching into the cabinet by my head. So I leaned back into him, only to find no one was there. By this point, I knew something was up. So I grabbed my crystal pendulum and started asking questions. We found out that there was a male spirit in the home and sometimes a woman and that both were associated with the orphanage. Now, whether you believe that or not, I never really felt as though the spirits were bad or anything. So for the most part, I was just content to let it go. A few months later, though, I ended a friendship with someone who brought a lot of negative energy to the table. So to make me feel better, my husband decided to sage the home, something we really hadn't done yet. When he went upstairs to my office, he had the sage in a metal bowl that, because it got hot, was sitting on a wooden stand. He started the saging process, standing completely still in the same room that I saw the male spirit near multiple times, when out of nowhere, the bull kind of shot off the stand and slid onto his fingers, burning like a crescent shape right on the tips. That was enough for him, and he saged out the spirits. Everything was really uneventful after that until the year 2020. In the middle of the pandemic, my son, desperate for friends, came to us talking about his imaginary friend called Jason. Jason, according to my son, was an older boy, lived in the room upstairs, and didn't have any parents. We later found out that Jason had black skin, black eyes, and black hair. And with Jason came his sister, Lily. Jason and Lily never really caused any problems, and once school started back up, they seemed to just kind of go away. Once they were gone and we kind of remembered all the weird things he used to say about his friends, we decided to ask our son if Jason and Lily were imaginary friends. He looked at us, stone cold and matter of fact, and said, no, they were ghosts. They used to live here before they died. When I say I would hire a realtor and move. (laughs) No kidding, though. No way. That is wild. That is the type of feeling I get anytime I watch a scary movie and we have to, like, go to bed and turn all the lights off. Like, that eerie feeling in the back of your... You're just not alone. No. There's no way. Nope. I had to explore an abandoned house today, and I, when Mm -hmm. I tell you I was in that basement and I was not alone... Girls, Karina, <laughs> Kelly, we need to talk. How are, ugh, no, bad. I don't like it. Zero out of ten. That's again a note from me. So far we're a zero for zero. Yeah. I don't fuck with ghosts. I don't even care if it is friendly or not. They're, they're still a ghost. There, There is nothing I can, I just, I, Damon, Damon, let's move on. Yep. Let's, mo- let's get another caller on the line, please. Damon, set us up for the next one, please. Okay. Okay. It's going to be fine. They're going to believe you. You just need to tell the story just as it happened, and it'll be fine. Coming to us live. We're ready to hear your story. Hey. Okay. So, is is this cryptic soup pod? Yeah. Why? Do you, uh, do you have a story to tell us tonight? You're connected to CSP. Yeah. So, I, I heard you guys wanted a ghost story, and 
I have been wanting to get this story off of my chest for so long. So we just wanted to share this story that happened to my brothers and myself when we were kids. So it was just such a bizarre experience. But all of us together, my brothers and I, we still talk about it. And we all still share the same thing. We all saw the same thing. So we were growing up and we lived in Hayesville, Kansas. And, you know, that's a suburb of Wichita. And everybody knows Wichita because of BTK. Not really what we want to be known for. But that's what a lot of people know us for. But at this time, Hayesville wasn't as developed as it is now because, well, I'm old. And there was a lot of back roads with nothing around for miles. And I had a really big Irish family. I have five brothers and two sisters. And both my mom and dad are deaf, so they couldn't hear and they couldn't speak. So it was already a fairly unusual way to grow up because we couldn't make a lot of noises in the house because the vibrations in the house would really bother them so we didn't have a lot of horseplay and we would learn to tease each other in making quieter noises we also grew up very poor and so you know, having so many kids and my dad was the only one working, we could not afford an air conditioner. So on really, really hot nights, my dad would load all of us kids up into the station wagon, blast the, the air conditioning in the car as high as he could, and he would take us out on these drives. And we would go until as late in the evening and, you know, gas was a lot cheaper back then. And he would take us until we were all so worn out, we would not care about the heat when we got back home. So on one of these drives, my dad had been driving and all I remember is he started to slow the car down and he's waving his hand at my mother and his kids are in the back part of the seat. And then my brothers start to freak out. And they're patting my dad and they're signing to him, don't stop, don't stop. And my dad kept saying and signing that it was a policeman. And I remember jumping up out of the back of the car and sitting upright because I was like six, seven years old at the time. And we all sat there and my dad slowed the car way down. And there was this policeman and he was standing in the middle of the road. Now, he wasn't flagging us down. He wasn't doing anything. He just stood there. And we all remember his uniform. In fact, my brothers and I just talked about this the other day. His uniform was brown and it had a strap going down the front like the older time police uniforms with the leather strap. So my dad had slowed the car down to a crawl. And my mom told my dad, or she signed to him, something's wrong with this guy. Something is wrong because he almost seemed to glow. 
and she kept telling, signing to my dad, just keep going, keep going the car. But my dad was, he's, he's way more daring and just, my dad had like this curiosity. So my dad like slowed the car way down and he rolled down his window and the officer didn't say anything. He just kind of stared into our windows and he was just smiling and it freaked us the hell out. So we are freaking out. I mean, we are, we're, we're yelling. The kids, you know, us as the kids, we are like, get us the fuck out of here. Oh my God, there's something wrong. And of course my parents can't hear a word we're saying. And my dad is still just going at a crawl in the car and we are flipping out. And this guy never once stops smiling. There are kids freaking out in the back seat, parents' hands swinging everywhere as they're signing, and this guy is just standing in the middle of the road, smiling. As we all drove away, again, we agreed there was some kind of weird glow around him. And that's what was so weird because this is back then, there weren't any lights along the road, but we saw him perfectly and then my brother my brother John who I'm still so close to he turned to us and he turned around in the seat and said where was his car and we all had an oh shit moment because we never saw a car anywhere no patrol car no other car no anything just this weird patrolman smiling in the night and I still see that weird smile in the back window of our car when I drift off to sleep at night now that's a story that's gonna keep me up at night thanks for calling in okay listeners please tell me do you think this is a poll do you think that what she saw was in fact a ghost? Or was it the men in black? I'm gonna tell you one thing, Marianne. You taught me something, Knight. I am never fucking going to Kansas. <laughs> hey, no, fuck that. <laughs> fuck Kansas! <laughs> no vacationing there, no driving through it, nothing. It's funny, we just talked about Wichita. <laughs> not, not anymore. Nope. Wichita to who? <laughs> <laughs> Do you, did you get, I mean, I got smile vibes, obviously. I haven't even seen it, but it, that's just, like, terrifying. That part of that story is not okay with me. Um, the moment she said it was smiling, the movie smile hit my head, and I was like, ha, I'm fucking terrified. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like you it. have all of those actors that are, like, bringing marketing to the movie, and I just, like, think of this guy. I need to know more about the smile. Was and it, like, demonic? Was it, like, just, like, a regular guy smiling? I don't like the fact that he's in an old, tiny police uniform. Make it, make it, make it a different uniform. I don't want it. I don't want it because you know you would stop for a police-uniformed person. But the fact that it's a different time period, you know shit's be sketchy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like, ghostly. But, but the smile thing got me thinking of Men in Black. I just, uh, I'm, all right, I'm going to give another score. This one, I'll give a one out of 10. And the reason why is because I think seeing the dichotomy between the deaf parents and the screaming children 
would be a fun sight to see. <laughs> right? But the rest of the story, zero out of ten. Yep. Another zero out of ten for me. So, so far, no one is intriguing me to want to visit where they are. Nope. I am staying in this house for all of time. Yep. I'm going to need a new caller, Damon. Can we get someone new on the line, please? Let's, uh, I heard the next one is uh, Miss Allie from The Murder You Know. She is not The Murder You Know. She has the podcast. Let's hear it. Hey, caller, tell us your story. Give us a fright. Hi. And happy Halloween, witches. It's the host of the Murder You Know podcast here. Longtime listener, first time caller. I have always wanted to say that. And I had to call to tell you a little bit about a story we covered a couple of weeks ago in the thick of spooky season in our Your Mom's Colleague episodes that I still have not recovered from. Like, I still have to keep my lights on all the time and my teeny tiny baby kitten just scared the shit out of me, pushing a door open level of can't get over. (laughs) It all started in October 2005 when a young man got out of jail where he had been serving time for a string of armed robberies and moved in with his uncle and his uncle's new wife. Unfortunately, by November 5th, the uncle's wife was dead and during a sleepless PCP-induced nightmare from December 31st to January 6th, 11 other innocent people were victimized. And I don't want to say too much or get too far into spoiler territory, just in case. But let's get into it a little bit. The wife was found beaten to death with a lead pipe, a la everyone's favorite game, Clue. And then on December 18th, a young woman's body was found hanging in her basement from an electrical cord as her house burned down. Flash forward to New Year's Eve, when a young man showed up a little late for a dinner with his parents, so, so, so covered in blood, his dad said he couldn't even make out his face or see his eyes. Bits and pieces of the knives used in the attack littered the street outside of their home. The very next day, a friend of my mom's and a local famous toy store owner was preparing for a New Year's Day party when intruders entered her home and held her, her husband, and her two young children hostage. When a friend arrived for their party later in the day, he found smoke pouring out of the house and called 911. Next, on January 3rd, a 75-year-old man opened his door to travelers in need of direction, only to find he and his wife were in an incredibly dangerous and urgent situation instead. Finally, on January 6th, police received a tip from a concerned citizen that suspected a friend of her daughter's was involved in all of the crimes taking place. When police went to the house of the woman indicated by this tipster, they found an absolute fucking horror scene. The young woman was dead, as were her parents, and all of the victims had been gagged with socks in their mouths and their heads had been wrapped with plastic bags and duct tape. Officers found that a truck, along with a bunch of other stuff, 
But the truck is the important thing, was missing from the scene, and a car had been abandoned nearby. This eventually led them to their perp. The car got them a name, the name got them an address, and when they got to the address, they found the missing truck. Now, keep in mind just a tiny bit of the horror that these officers just witnessed because we are approaching the visual that has me jumping with fright 30 times a day. And maybe I'm just a weenie, but my dog just scratched the wall when he stretched and the way that it bounced off the walls sounded like it was coming from the closet. And I can't even tell you, my heart (laughs) almost exploded. So they go to the home they find the truck. An elderly woman happens to live there with her grandson. The officers tell her they have a warrant and she lets them inside to look for her grandson who is nowhere to be seen. Eventually, while officers search the house and find things like pieces of knives that match those found at crime scenes, an officer and his partner break off into the basement. The dark and mostly unfinished basement. After orienting themselves to the dark space, they start to look around, they can make out some shapes, they're carefully checking and sweeping the area, and eventually, crouched behind a water heater, hiding with one hand out of sight, and smiling in a crazed, unblinking stare, they find the man they were looking for. They asked him to come out from behind the water heater to show his hands. He didn't do any of those things, but he did sit there and keep smiling with his hand hidden in the dark. Ugh! How, I mean, is that, uh, is that one of the spookiest criminal apprehensions that you've heard of? And not even to get into the reason that this all became public too much, but it was because his legal team was trying to file an appeal to prove he wasn't violent. And the state was like, hold on a second. And not to mention the crazy fight that ensued when they finally did pull him out from behind the water heater. So that's my spooky slash happy anniversary story. And I adore you all. And thank you for taking my call. Ta-ta for now. Wow. Hey, that was a spooky one. Is it coincidental that smile just came out and we have two back-to-back calls about people smiling all creepy-like? What is going on here? Do you want me smiling at you right now? No. (laughs) Uh, Allie, I got to tell you, that one was very spooktacular also. Happy Halloween back at you, babes. Yes. Also, you know when I'm scared, when I will not allow my foot to dangle off of this chair, and I am crisscross now. <laughs> the studio is filled with all the negative vibes of fear you can ever imagine. I can't do this anymore. Let's get a new color. Hey, what do you got for us tonight? Hey, Cryptid Soup listeners. My name is Kayla with the Dark Tales from the Road podcast. I am here today to tell you one of my favorite scary stories. It's from a Reddit user called Diggs Dawes, and I am so excited to tell you this creepy story. 
So Diggs Dawes says, this is my first ever post on Reddit. It seems so cliche to start by saying, I don't believe in ghosts, but that's where I'm coming from. Here goes. A few years ago, I moved into an old one bedroom apartment in Melbourne, Australia. This was the first time I moved into my own place and it was nice not to have crappy ceiling roommates. The apartment block, which only had eight units, was built in the 1930s. It was moldy and the rent was interestingly cheap. The first few months go by without a hiccup and I'm enjoying living in this place. I come home from work one day and I go into my bathroom and something catches the corner of my vision. The board, which covers the manhole on the ceiling that has access to the small attic space, is broken in two pieces on the ground. I remember standing there for about two minutes trying to make sense of it. I examined the two broken bits of wood. The wooden board is about an inch thick and would have taken Bruce Lee to break it in half. My initial thought is that the landlord maybe sent an electrician around without informing me and they maybe have been working in the attic space and broken the board, if that makes sense. But the more I think about it, the less likely that scenario seems. Anyway, I take a couple of pictures and email them to the landlord, asking if anyone was on the property that day, with an undertone of me being a bit pissed off that she didn't tell me. I received a reply at around 7.30 a.m. in the morning. Her email reads, please call me as soon as you're able to. I was worried, thinking, shit, someone's broken in. I call her and she explains that her last two tenants said the exact same thing to them, amongst other things, that she will send someone around to replace the wooden board. If I wasn't so busy with work, I would have thought more of it. I lay awake at night for the next few weeks thinking what the fuck caused the board to break in half and my first conclusion is that someone was living up there in the tiny attic space, which seemed very unlikely. About a month later, I wake up suddenly around 4am, which is very unusual. I have so many goosebumps it feels like someone is rubbing their hands on me. Everything is silent for ages, but then I hear this weird sound coming from the roof above my bed. It's this dragging sound, like someone is pulling a sack of potatoes across the floor. I freak the fuck out and I'm frozen stiff with fear. Someone is up there for sure, I think. There's no way a possum could make that sound. After about five minutes of listening to this intermittent dragging sound, I work up enough courage to turn on the light and walk into the bathroom where the manhole is, armed with a cricket bat I keep by my bed. The new board covering the manhole is broken in two pieces again. I felt sick. I turned on the bathroom light and stared at the black space where the cover of the manhole would be. As tough as I like to think I am, I am 100% frozen with fear. The dragging sound has stopped, but there's another sound. There's a whispering. I thought my mind was playing tricks on me at first, but the whispering was clear. It was coming from the fucking attic. Please let me stress at this point that I am not making any of this up. The whispering sounds like children's voices. It's gibberish mostly, but there's one sentence that... I can make out. It's your turn. It's your turn. It keeps repeating. I turn on every single light in the apartment as well as the TV 
to try to make things feel normal. It's about 5 a.m. and it's still dark outside because it's the middle of winter. I'm watching TV and trying to unwind. Then the fuse blows and everything goes silent. My pet, Budgie, which is a bird, by the way, is in my kitchen, who never makes a sound at nighttime, starts squawking like he's being strangled. I've never heard him make these sound, these sort of noises. He's literally screaming. I grab my car keys and I run the fuck out of my apartment and go sit in my car. I wait until the sun comes up. People are now walking their dogs and starting their day and this comforts me enough to go back into my apartment. The front door is wide open, but I don't think too much of it because I figured I booked it out there so fast that I didn't close it. Everything seems normal and I go into the kitchen to check on Dexter, my pet budgie. Again, a budgie is a bird. I was very confused at first, but yes, he is a bird. And he is not in his cage. What the fuck? I let him out most days to fly around, but there's 100% no way of his getting out unless someone lets him out. I start to feel sick again. I look around everywhere, but I can't see him. All the windows are closed and the wire mesh screen door at the front door was closed when I came up. I open the door to the bathroom and I can hear a splashing sound. Poor little Dexter was half drowned in the toilet. I take him out, wash him, and dry him off. I thought he was going to die because he was breathing in water and I was so confused. The only logical explanation is that someone did this. At about 8 a.m., I called the landlord and gave her a watered-down version of what happened. Quote, Oh, wow, you heard the whispering, too, she said. I stayed in that apartment for another 18 months. I only moved out three months ago. I heard the whispering again a few occasions, and twice the manhole cover moved, but it wasn't broken. The landlord called me last week. She sounded embarrassed and said that the new tenants, which were a young Japanese couple, had begged to speak with me about some of the shit that's been going on there. Fuck that. It's their problem now. So that's my story. Thank you guys so much for listening, and thank you Cryptic Soup for having me on. Have a great one. Kayla, riddle me how I'm going to have a great one after a story like that! Okay, but your voice, oh my gosh, you need to go on one of those, like, um, put yourself to sleep apps. ASMR type like. Yes, wow, amazing, but holy fuck, Don't, absolutely not. Which, by the way, your podcast never puts us to sleep. That is amazing. Right. I love listening Dark Tales from the Road, but uh, your voice is so nice. So soothing, I love it. While you're telling me this terrifying story. Although I like the word pudgy. Yeah. What is it? It's, it's like the type of bird? Yeah, I guess. Pudgy. Now I need one. No. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that Athena fears is birds. <laughs> so. which, is, which is hilarious because Athena also owns tarantulas and Corey's terrified of those. But birds are fucking terrifying because <laughs> they are not real. They are animatronics. Okay, but this man. Right? is a man. Yeah, right? Yeah. 18 months? Are you kidding me? I would be out the fucking door. I never would have returned to that apartment. Mm. I would have been like, screw it. Like, sell all of my things. If you hear noises near a manhole cover, you know that a clown is hiding down there. 
Something. So, no. Something. I mean, I know Bill Skarsgård's beautiful, but we don't need to fuck around with clowns. People. No, no. Actually, and the, I kind of like clowns, actually. Right. You're fucking weird. <laughs> I like spiders. I like clowns. You put a fucking bird near me and it breaks loose. <laughs> oh, hell no. But like dragging potatoes. That's a dead body being drugged. Right. Like I can't, I can't think of potatoes at that point. It's nice that you lied to us, Kayla. It was not potatoes. No, there's no way. Don't tell it was potatoes. <laughs> what did a potato do to you? So uh, I think I need like almost a palate cleanser. I need one that's less about dead creatures. Uh, maybe one about like a cute, sweet animal, a loving tail, something really nice, wholesome. Um, do we have any calls like that? Maybe we can take. Oh, 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 we do. We do. Did you hear our next call? Who's who's our next call, Kylie? Oh, yeah, I think it's uh, uh, oh, Damon said it's Chris. OK, all right. We got Chris from Toon Junkies podcast, I think, coming up next. Caller, you're on the air. This story is written by Weatherford and Sky titled The Cat Scratching at My Door. I never thought a childish prank would save me and my brother's life. It began late September. My family cat had passed away from old age a few weeks prior. I missed her terribly and assumed the strange things that began to happen were just echoes of my grief. When she was still alive, she used to scratch at my door until I let her into my room. She used to use the crawl space as her own little home, sometimes hiding away for most of the day until pushing the door open in the middle of the night. I'd gotten so used to it that I was no longer startled by the tapping of little paws upstairs and the sound of little doors creeping open. So used to it, in fact, that when those same things happened after her death, it took me a while to notice. When I finally did notice, the sounds gave me a strange feeling of unease, but familiarity. I told myself that it was just the creaking of an old house, but a part of me wanted to believe that she was still here in some capacity. One night in October, I was awoken by scratching at my door and a faint meow. It lasted only a few seconds, but I heard it clearly. I thought it was a dream. It had had to have been. After all, she was gone. But then it kept happening. Every night at 1.46 a.m., I would hear scratching at my door and the cries of a cat who was long dead. I told no one of it because even though it frightened me, I didn't want to lose what I had left of my dear cat. The scratching stayed the same until the night of October 21st, when it became harder to ignore. Everything was normal that night. My parents had gone out for the night and my brother was sleeping downstairs. I watched YouTube until I fell asleep with the glow of my laptop still on my face. When I heard the scratching, I wasn't even scared. It felt like any other night, until it didn't stop. The scratching only got more frantic and the crying grew in volume with each swipe of a claw. I had never heard my cat act like this, even when she was alive. I quickly sat up on my bed and checked the time. 1.46 a.m., like always. The scratching got even worse. It sounded like she could tear through the door at any moment. I got up from my bed and slowly cracked open the door. My heart was racing. I had no idea what I would see behind that door, but I had to open it. I opened the door only a crack, and suddenly it pushed open. However. There was nothing behind the door. I felt a strange presence, like something came into the room. I didn't know what else to do, but to go back to bed and try to fall asleep. The next few nights were just the same. The scratching was almost deafening until I opened my door to let no one inside. 
It was creepy, but comforting. Every time I opened the door, it was like my cat came to visit me from beyond the grave. The last night I felt her presence was a night I will never forget. To this day, it was the most horrifying night of my life. It was Halloween night. I had just come home early from a party so I could stay with my brother for the night as my parents were out of town. We watched and made fun of Halloween movies from our childhood until midnight. I thought it would be funny to scare him with the scratching and meowing, so I told him to sleep in my room that night. I never thought a childish prank would save me in my brother's life. I got in my bed, and he got in a sleeping bag beside me. He fell asleep almost immediately, while I could barely keep still from the anticipation. Suddenly, my window flooded with light. I assumed it was my parents coming back early from their trip, but something felt off. The clock struck 1.46 a.m., Instead of scratching or meowing, a little door to the crawl space flung open. A dark figure rushed out and jumped right at me. I let out a scream, waking my brother beside me. The dark figure went through my chest and disappeared behind me. I was left hyperventilating and holding my hand to my chest. This wasn't a visit. It was a warning. I heard what sounded like someone trying to get inside the house and without hesitation I grabbed my brother and told him to go into the crawl space. He was groggy and disoriented, but he did what I said. I followed behind him and moved a chair in front of the little door before closing it. I told him to be completely silent. We heard a big crash and then footsteps downstairs. Someone had broken through the window. I heard the stranger open all the doors and push things over. I felt my face go white as I heard the stranger start to come up the stairs. I held my hand over my brother's mouth and began to pray in my head. The stranger was at the door. My heart was pounding. He flung the door open and entered the room. I could hear him flip my bed over and knock over my nightstand. I thought we were going to die. My brother was silently texting the police while all I could do was stare at the door, knowing it would open at any second. The stranger pushed over the chair in front of the crawl space. The only thing left between me and the intruder was a little door. My brother and I grabbed the handle and held it shut. I then heard the hiss and growl of a cat. It felt like it was right behind us. Finally, the intruder tried to open the door. We held it shut for as long as we could until the stranger flung it open with one great pull. Before I could even get a good look at him, the dark figure leaped out from behind us and pounced on his face. It all happened so quickly. You could only see the flicks of blood flying around. He fell to the ground crying out and holding his now mangled face. The dark figure ran into the shadows and my brother and I ran out the door and down the stairs. We screamed for help out in the cold until the neighbors came outside to see what was wrong. The police arrived a short time after. It turns out the stranger was a drug addicted ex-convict who was breaking into people's homes around the area looking for cash. They found him screaming in pain, cover covering his hollowed out eyes. The police also found a knife beside him that he had taken from our kitchen. My brother and I were standing out in the cold when I saw the faint green glow of my cat's eyes in my bedroom window. That was the last time I ever saw my family cat. Oh my, watch me sleeping with the nightline on tonight after that story. What a catastrophic tale that sounded like. No kidding. No kitten is more <laughs> like it. ha <laughs> ha. Ha 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 ha!
No, but really, Chris, that was a wild tale. We are really glad to hear that one. I'm glad to know that when my animals die, they'll save me. Or be terrifying spooky ghost creatures. Well, they were terrifying and spooky ghost creatures, but then they also saved me. <laughs> so their, it's fine. Their badassery comes in handy, if you will. So on that, it seemed like even though that was like a nice spooky tale, it kind of palate cleansed me. You know what I mean? Because it wasn't at least like a dead person haunting me. It's a cat. I don't know. Maybe that wasn't adding up what I just said. I just, it's not like ghostly and creepy of like the dark as much as the other ones have been. So yeah, palate cleanser. Well, if you thought it wasn't adding up, Damon just told me up next is the not adding up podcast. We have Patrick up next, right? All right, let's hear it for Patrick. Coming to us live. We're ready to hear your story. Hello, everybody. My name is Patrick, and I'm the host of my own true crime podcast, Not Adding Up. Before I get into my story, I wanted to thank Fina and Kylie for having me on their Halloween special episode. We connected through a true crime podcasting networking group, and they have been so kind and welcoming, and everybody in the group has. It's been so nice to connect with some fellow creators. So for my story, I wanted to share a very unsettling uh, encounter one of my friends had at a local recreation spot. So I'm going to make up a name for the location. So let's just call it Roseview Gardens. And this place is about a mile loop and it's gravel and it's used for like walking, running. A lot of people go there to walk their dogs. I went there to jog a lot. And it also has a lot of trails that go off of this main loop into the woods and the trails in the woods are not very um clear the paths that are off of the main loop are not uh they don't have gravel on them and you can navigate your way by looking at like signs on trees so it's definitely a little woodsy and towards the end of the evening it can get a little scary not for any reason other than the fact that you're in the woods and it's creepy in the woods at night. Anybody will tell you that. But my friend was walking her dog at Rose Gardens and she thought she noticed somebody following her and she was like hyper aware of this from the beginning. She felt uncomfortable by it. So she was like looking over her shoulder. He was a good ways behind her, but there was definitely a man following her. The time was around six or seven, and I think it was like spring, so it was definitely getting dark. And she was definitely feeling unsettled. After she notices the man, she begins to pick up her pace a little bit to get back to the main uh, gravel loop, which leads to the parking lot where she had her car parked. So she picks up her pace, and she's starting to get very nervous and she looks behind her shoulder and she notices the man picked up his pace to match hers. So this is making her feel even more nervous. So at this point she kind of breaks out into a full jog or sprint is what she said. Cause she's like terrified. She's like, what, what is this man trying to do to me? Is he gonna kill me? Like what is happening? So she's just like running for what she believes could be her life at this point. And she gets back to the main gravel loop and she still has some distance on him. But once she gets back to the main gravel loop, she starts to head back to her car, keeping the same pace. 
and the car the parking lot is up a gravel hill it's all like it's not paved but it's like a gravel road so you're able to drive through with a car to the very bottom there's just not parking spaces down there so she was running to the top and when she gets there she sees a woman and this woman looks kind of confused and she runs up to this woman she's like oh my gosh i just got chased by this man and he was like running after me and i don't know what he wants and i think he's like coming up here like i don't think you should stay here we need like you need to leave and the woman just kind of looked at her and just like gave her this blank stare and said nothing. So she was like, what the fuck? Clearly this woman is not concerned by my story and she's going to be no help to me. So she got in her car and began to drive away. And while she looked in her rear view mirror, she saw the same man that was chasing her having a conversation with the woman that she ran into. Luckily this didn't end in anything more sinister than her getting chased but the mind has to wonder what he was planning to do and the fact that the woman was up there makes it even more sketchy for me like I was thinking that she was there to like calm her down and maybe like get her to maybe get into her car and if she was working with the guy they could have kidnapped her that way but the fact that she didn't say anything maybe she was just like had like a burst of humanity who knows but that it was just very very unsettling and the fact that I go there like almost every day. At that point, at that point in my life, I had been going there almost every day to run. Um, not, not that I stopped going there, but it's just, it's just very, it's crazy because it makes you realize that these things can happen anywhere, and awful things happen to people every day, and it's really bone chilling. But thank you once again to Cryptic Soup Podcast for having me on their Halloween special. As I said in the beginning, I host my own true crime podcast, Not Adding Up, so if you want to hear more from me, you can check that out. But thank you again, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed. Wow. What are your thoughts on that story? Hold on, Kylie. Hold on. I'm doing something on my phone. Thena, Thena, we're live. Kylie, I, I am looking up how much a bulk amount of pepper spray is on my phone because <laughs> I leave the house and now I'm terrified to do that. Have you not been listening to all these stories? Did you not just listen to the story I heard? Did you not listen? I need 423 bottles of pepper spray on me at all times. 423. Patrick taught me I need 423. <laughs> Thank you very much. Patrick, we need to talk. You need to stop going there. Patrick, I don't, stop I'm not going. okay. I'm not okay with that. You now have to call us every time you leave the house. Patrick, good job. Yep. Like, just just hang out on the phone. We just need to know where you are. What are you doing? What are you looking at? Who's in front of you? What are they wearing? How tall are they? What kind of car are they driving? What's their license plate number? Social security number? Tell us things. <laughs> or get one of those. What are they called? Like birdie things? Birdie. Yeah, it's like a it's like a keychain and it. Yeah, whatever. Anyway. Nope. Nope. I just saw a Facebook post the other day about how. If a female turned into a male, what would be the first thing that they did? And it would be go on a run by themselves in the dark. Yeah. With headphones in. Oh, yeah. Horny. Good God. (laughs) Love to hear it. Wished I could. Right. I don't have the arm muscle to do that. No. That's. (sighs) I got into an argument with a man at Noodles and Company last week and I walked out and I said, I do not have the upper body strength to be getting into (laughs) arguments with men. And then I had to live with that thought all day that I could have died. I have 100 percent 
clarity that this person was going to get trafficked. That was the Moore's murders waiting to rehappen. Kylie doesn't know what that means, but you all do. Nope. You all know what I mean when I say that. That was the Moore's murder right there. No, but so many traffickers hang out like that. Like they have like the more trusting female person and then they have the the like instigator or the guy that that like literally physically takes them down. I'm so glad you brought that up because actually our next caller that Damon was going to patch through, it's Creme de la Crime podcast. And she has been recently teaching me the statistics and facts about how much sex trafficking and trafficking in general there are. It is crazy. So on that note, I I think we should give it over to Sam. Sam has a very insane story to tell. So once again, it's Sam with Creme de la Crime. Happy Halloween, listeners. And before we get started, I just want to say a huge thank you to Kylie and Thena with Cryptic Soup Podcast for asking me to be a part of this Halloween feature. My name is Sam, and I'm the creator and host of Creme de la Crime Podcast. My podcast is dedicated to shining light on unsolved disappearances. I wanted to stick with what I do best today which is telling the stories of the missing. But since this is a Halloween special, I wanted to share one of the most bizarre disappearances that happened on Halloween in 2010 that you've probably never heard of. His name is David Jaquez Ortiz Jr. And his family called him Jr. David Ortiz Jr. was born on November 22, 1991 to parents Elizabeth and David Ortiz Sr., He grew up with his parents in Silver City, New Mexico, and as far as I could find, he had one brother named Charles. If he has any other siblings, they were not mentioned on public record. There's not a lot known about David's early life, so his story picks up three days before he disappeared. It was reported that David had just been granted visitation with his one-year-old son Joshua after a year-long custody battle with the child's mother. Quote, He was so happy to have Joshua back in his life. He was so happy to be a father, and he was a great father, end quote. David and his parents had their first visitation with Joshua on October 30th, not knowing this would be David Jr.'s one and only visit with his son before he disappeared. The next day, on Halloween night of 2010, 18-year-old David stopped by his grandparents' house around 5 p.m., and then told them he was leaving to head to a friend's house. He never made it to this friend's house. A family member named Laura Jean made a Facebook post that said, quote, he said goodbye to his family as he was on his way to hang out with friends. Nothing out of the norm as he walked away. They never knew that would be the last day they would see David again, end quote. After leaving his grandparents, a cousin of David Sr. told the family that David Jr. had stopped by the Snappy Mart on Swan Street that evening to buy cigarettes at around 9 p.m. His cousin worked at this store at the time, and this person was the last family member to ever see David. Laura Jean said the story gets a little cloudy after that. Some people stated they saw David downtown hanging out with his friends. Others said they saw him at the food basket, And another story was that he had been sighted at a trailer park. Police could never confirm any of these sightings. His parents exhausted all efforts on their own looking for David, 
and when they realized he was officially missing, they reported him missing to the Silver City Police Department on November 3, 2010. David disappearing made no sense to his family. He was not fighting with his parents. He had just been granted visitation with his son. He was planning to join the military. He had no reason to run away. Elizabeth Ortiz later revealed that immediately after David had gone to court to try to get visitation of his son, someone told his brother Charles to tell David to, quote, watch his back, end quote. Before he disappeared, David was studying to get his GED, and this was something him and his mom were actually doing together. Elizabeth was quoted saying, I got mine for him. We were supposed to do it together, but my son was taken from me, end quote. Rumors went crazy about what happened to David because of the small-town environment, and Elizabeth and David Sr. made sure to take every single tip they got to the police. They later told Dateline there had been rumors that David had been beaten and thrown into a trunk before being driven out of town and buried in the Silver City landfill. The Silver City police chief at the time was named Ed Reynolds, and he said the tip they received made them believe that David's body had possibly been put in a dumpster at the beginning of November 2010. A magistrate court judge approved and signed the search warrant for the landfill, and investigators began their search the very next day. The search was carried out over multiple days, but police ultimately found nothing. They received another tip the same month that resulted in police executing a search warrant at a home located in the 700 block of Mountain View Road. Authorities searched this residence and the property, but still turned up with nothing. A few months went by, and in April of 2011, police received another tip and executed another search warrant at the Southwest Solid Waste Authority Landfill on Ridge Road, but again, no evidence was found. Another tip came in June of 2012 that led police to Santa Clara at a home in the 100 block of South Belm. They executed a search warrant and brought in cadaver dogs. The same month, they executed another search warrant for a home in the 800 block of Mobile Drive in Silver City. Both of these searches turned up with no new evidence or signs of David. Five years went by with no new leads, until they received a tip in February of 2017 from an inmate in South Dakota. This person sent a map to the Grant County Law Enforcement, and this map included a hand-drawn X at a house off of East Street in Santa Clara. The inmate told police that the X showed where human remains could be found. Police took this lead seriously and executed a search warrant of this property. They found a set of bones where the X had been located on the map, but after further testing, they turned out to be animal bones. The case changed hands multiple times over the years. In 2019, it was taken over by Detective Melinda Hobbs with the Silver City Police Department. Melinda was eventually promoted to captain of the police department, but she said she is still working on David's case. In 2020, police had a new person of interest in David's case, but this person's name was never released to the public. They were able to get a warrant to search this person's home as well, but still found nothing new related to David. Captain Hobbs told Dateline they are still treating David's case as suspicious and have a couple people in mind that they believe may have been involved in his disappearance. Quote, We feel like the people who have information are too scared to come forward, but we need their help. End quote. One of the strangest details surrounding David's case is that a few people loosely connected to his disappearance ended up dying suddenly over the years. 
one of those being his own sister, Nicole. According to court documents, a man by the name of Christopher Calloway, who was 23 years old at the time, was arrested and charged with murder for shooting Nicole in September of 2012. Nicole was 21 years old, and her and Christopher had an infant son at this time who was inside the residence when the shooting took place. Chris told police that him and Nicole had been drinking that night and had gotten in an argument. His account of events was that they were playing Russian roulette, quote, to a certain extent, end quote, with two of his pistols. By his account, he had unloaded his 357 revolver, quote, except for one bullet, end quote. He stated he put the revolver to his head and pulled the trigger twice. He said Nicole proceeded to grab the gun, put it to her head, and pulled the trigger. When he tried to get the gun back from her, it went off, instantly killing her. In November of 2014, Chris appeared before the sixth judicial court judge by the name of J.C. Robinson, and he agreed to plead no contest to the charges of child abuse and negligent use of a deadly weapon. In exchange for his plea, the state dropped the murder charge. David and Nicole's parents have made statements to Dateline that they believe she was murdered because she found out Chris was involved or knew someone involved in David's death. Elizabeth was quoted saying, Silver City is a small community and there is a lot of corruption here. If you're on the side of those covering things up, you don't get in trouble. But if you go against them, you end up like my daughter." End quote. There were no details about the other people and the deaths that were said to have taken place after David disappeared, but it did state how they died. There was an apparent drug overdose, a car accident, and then Nicole's shooting death. Captain Hopp stated that they couldn't find any connection between David's disappearance and the other mysterious deaths, but she does believe there are people in the community, including Chris, that have information about David's disappearance. Elizabeth believes that not enough is being done in her son's case. Over the years, David's parents have reached out to other agencies and requested help with the investigation, but Elizabeth stated that not many people have any interest in the case of a missing Hispanic man. They are pushing for the state police to take over the case so that more resources can be dedicated to getting justice for David. They also wrote a letter to the governor's office and the New Mexico Attorney General's office. Elizabeth contacted several TV stations and several national crime shows as well. So far, no one has been interested in telling David's story. And this is ultimately why it felt necessary to share David's story with you today. Elizabeth and David Sr. are currently raising Nicole's son, but stated they don't have much contact at all with David Jr.'s son. They both stated they have wanted to be more involved in his life, but there are still tensions between the families. David's parents wait and pray for someone to come forward with information that will help them find out what happened. All they have ever wanted is to know that someone is investigating their son's case. Quote, Somebody knows something, Maybe just one person, but one person is all it takes. We know he's not with us anymore. We know he was murdered that night, and he deserves justice. End quote. Grant County Crime Stoppers issued a $1,000 reward for any information leading to finding David. That reward has now been increased to $2,000 by David's own family. Before we end, I want to share a few statements made on Facebook by David's family member, Laura Jean. Quote, Through the years, many stories have come up, 
The landfill was searched, names were given, and some questions were asked. But still, to this day, we have yet to receive answers. He's the kid that I would have a heart-to-heart conversation with. He's the kid that was excited and scared to be a dad. He's the kid that fought to be in his son's life up to the day that he went missing. He's the son his dad strived to be a better man for. He's the son his mom loved since the day the pregnancy test came out positive. He's the man his son will never get to know. Please help bring our family closure. I continue to pray for the people involved. I can't imagine how they are feeling inside. I pray that they speak up so that not only can we begin to heal, but they can as well. End quote. David Ortiz Jr. was last seen in Silver City, New Mexico on October 31, 2010, when he was 18 years old. He left his grandparents' home on Kimberly Drive and was heading to a friend's house, but he never made it there. He is a Hispanic male with black hair and brown eyes. At the time of his disappearance, he was 5 foot tall and weighed around 110 pounds. David was last seen wearing a black t-shirt over a blue long-sleeve sweater, black shorts, and brown steel-toed boots. He has a scar in the center of his chest, and his case is classified as endangered missing. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of David Ortiz Jr., please contact the Silver City Police Department at 575-388-8840. That's all I have for this case, but don't forget to keep your eyes and ears open out here, and happy Halloween. It's always good to hear from you, caller. Catch you next time. So we went from being scared out of our fucking minds to being scared of the dark to having badassery pets to now just being scared. Just so sad. How can this happen to people? How? I don't know. I don't like Okay, so there's this TV show, right? <laughs> it's called Unsolved Mysteries. You, mm-hmm. Or I, there's another show also called Cold Cases. You see where this is going, right? Yeah. Every time I go to watch one of these shows, I'm like, God, I can't wait for the ending so that it's cleared up. And then in the end, they're like, and now we don't know what happened next. And I'm like, what? Right. What? There's no closure. I mean, the ending. Well, and think of how the families feel. Like, yeah. There's no closure for them. And that's just. Not that. The closure you're going to get is probably good closure, but I need a... Cl- I need... Oh. <laughs> so, wow. I will say, though, that was a very on-par call-in for Sam because Sam's podcast is about bringing home, like, uh, missing victims and things, those unsolved and stuff. Sam has the terrible life choice of doing that back to back every week i could never i could never do that sam you are how many antidepressants are you on how much (laughs) wine do you drink a week i need the answers girl creme de la wine podcast (laughs) okay sam have an episode where you get tipsy and you're doing creme de la crime with wine creme de la wine it also makes me hungry uh yes what is creme de la Creme. <laughs> well, do you want to know the three things that I think of? Yeah. I well, two things that I think of. 
I think of creme de la creme de la Edgar from Aristocats, which you have not seen, and that's a problem because everyone is like, yes, that's exactly what I thought of. And the other one is creme brulee. Oh. So I call cream cheese creme de la creme a lot. So I'm thinking of warm cream, cream cheese. cheese. Warm creme cheese? Warm creme de la creme. <laughs> I don't know what creme, creme de la creme de la creme. What is creme de la... What is the actual word? It's not crime. What are... What is creme Isn't de la... Isn't it creme de la creme? Is it? But what is now creme de la creme? Now we have to look it up. What is creme de la creme though? Hold on, Damon. We gotta look it up. I'm so sorry. Damon, don't roll your eyes at us. You know what this is. Come on. Okay, creme de la creme is the best of the best. <laughs> cream of the cream in French, literally. I feel like we knew that, but we it's, didn't know it. It's exactly what I thought, but I thought I had to have been wrong somehow, but I wasn't. It's not a food. It's just a saying. Huh. Creme de la creme. Just makes me hungry. I want. You know what it reminded me of? It's not at all the same. You're going to judge me. <laughs> Treslich. <laughs> oh yes you know who has really good looking tres leches cakes where fucking costco oh i went there the other day and i almost bought them and i was i'm gonna go back hmm well now i'm hungry yeah me too and i want some wine yes which if we're talking about wine you know what podcast that makes me think of what it reminds me of the podcast spilling the crime that is such an amazing podcast so let's uh they're they're on the phone let's bring them out have them introduce themselves and tell one more crazy story before we go we we have them on the air caller you're on the air hi there cryptic jonas and umberto talking hi, here from, from the other side spilling the crime yeah yeah so you asked us to tell you just a story yeah. or two we have the two different styles of stories because yes. one is like a mythical story that you like heard. a legend, yes, like a ge- legend. In and <laughs> my story, it's going to be about something that happened to me. Uh, <laughs> I'm curious about that one. <laughs> so I'm telling you a story from Algarve, uh, from my birth city, Olhão. Um, and in Portugal, we had a lot of Moorish stories. Yeah, Moorish were like these beautiful ladies that um, they were very beautiful and they had gifts to give to to, to men. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have a lot of fishmen here. Okay, but were they gifted? Or they would just give gifts? Kind of, they were cursed. And if Ah. you could break the curse- Every single? You would earn a lot of treasures. This is the the main concept. Okay, okay. And there was this Moorish lady called Floripsh in Olhão. It's my birth town, so I I grew up listening to this story. And there are like 1,000 variations of the story, so I'm going to give (laughs) one that I decided was the best. So this lady was left by his uh, father when um, Portuguese conquered back uh, the Algarve region for Portugal because we were conquered by Arabs. Yeah, we have a lot of history here in Portugal. Yes. So Going uh, back and forth. <laughs> uh, so uh, his father left and uh, left Floripsh here in Portugal. Supposedly she was cursed and she could not leave uh, the castle until a man Breaked the curse. So it was uh, the Portuguese Rapunzel, maybe. Kind of, yes, kind of that. <laughs> <laughs> so what did the man had to do? He had to travel the sea to North Africa 
with two candles um, lighting up. That's impossible. <laughs> Or is this it? was the challenge? Okay. And if he could, if he could do so, he would earn a lot of treasures. And of oh, course, okay. he would marry Flips. Here's the thing, and here's the spooky thing. Okay. So she would seduce them. Yeah, like nymphs or yes. the mermaids. And propose this deal to them. Okay. But if they failed, <laughs> she would have to eat their hearts. Wait, they wait. Yes. She would eat their hearts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the curse. This is the story. This is like. Nom nom, let we me eat your talk. heart. Nom 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 nom. <laughs> we still talk about this. Uh, for the for some, Florip she's blonde. For others, she is brunette. Uh, there is a thousand variations, like I told you. But this is a very ancient story yeah. that still goes around. I love her name. We still talk about this, and actually, there is a movie that you could watch, and it's called Florip. Ah, so yes. Should we watch it? Kind it's, of it's super very old. Fun. It's very fun because even my I, I don't understand what they are saying, and I'm from there. <laughs> it's just so you can uh, like picture the, the, the oh, language. I, I really like these types of stories. Yes, um, and it's kind of a uh, scary movie. Yeah, I, I like that. In the same way, talking about maybe mythical creatures like unicorns or centaurs, it's. Yes. One of those things that I wish it was really real and that we could see that. So it's really cool. Yes, and in Portugal we have this. We have a lot, lot of stories about lot of Moorish story, yeah. uh, ladies because of this. Maybe we can do a, um, an episode about that. Yes. Maybe in the future. Maybe. So this is my story. Okay. Well, my, <laughs> I want to hear yours. My story. <laughs> my story is a personal story. <sighs> okay. Um, I'm. I, I'm not 100. Comfortable talking about this because I feel like uh, a lot of people don't believe me that uh, but I search on the internet and this actually exists so when I was 12 years old I was in my bed uh, I had my face to the ceiling so my tummy was uh, uh, I normally sleep you know how I sleep like your tummy was aligned with your head right <laughs> yeah <laughs> facing the ceiling so I was asleep I was I, I had the window in front of me but I saw a shadow in the end of my bed and it was a huge vertical shadow <laughs> and I couldn't move but my eyes were super wide open this wasn't a dream it was too lucid to be a dream maybe I, it was some sort of sleep paralysis or lucid dream I'm, i don't know what it was i didn't search i have that you have sleep paralysis, paralysis? Yeah. oh yeah yeah, it happens yeah. To me okay a lot of times. okay I, i still didn't catch that <laughs> but basically this shadow had a hat also and oh my god yeah when i tried to move or leave or just get up of my bed i couldn't and this shadow started to grow did you pee no and <laughs> no but that happened also when i dreamed <laughs> that i was peeing and then i peed <laughs> but whatever this shadow start arcing his back towards me and growing his shadow was becoming bigger and bigger i couldn't see his face And suddenly I just felt like he was push, pushing my chest. Like he's, he was taking something from me. Like mm. he was taking like my soul or, or the sleep paralysis. Uh, Kicked in or something. Energy that, uh, that 
Normally, when you have sleep paralysis, you can look to yourself sleeping. Normally, okay. it's like a really advanced sleep paralysis. <laughs> well, this dude was trying to take my something from me, and I was screaming. I was screaming, but it was in silence that I was screaming because nothing was coming out of, yeah. of my mouth, and I couldn't move. And when his face reached my face, I woke up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and my heart was, was racing. I felt like I just defeated a demon. <laughs> so I went online to see what this was because this was not normal. This wasn't a normal dream for me. And he's one of a few paralysis demons. What? Sleep paral yeah, he exists. He's like the hat man. Oh my god. He exists and I saw a I lot never of sleep again. And I saw a lot of people oh, talking about the headman. There I think there is I think there is also a lady but I, I what I caught was the headman. I have nightmares but with my like I had this one nightmare with my or one episode of sleep paralysis with a friend. With yes. a friend? Yes, I imagined that my friend was coming to me and I could not move. Oh my god. And she was coming closer and closer and closer and I could not move and I woke up We're... really screaming. Oh my god. Like, that... I, have the, I have those episodes. Was that person play. looking into your eyes? I, I, I could see the person because I know the person. But was this person looking into your eyes? Or was just... She was coming to me and grabbing me. <laughs> and I, thought, I really woke up and thought that this was real, that she was right there with me. But I screamed so loud and she woke up. She was in the other room. Uh, But for me, this was super, 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 super real. Maybe we, uh, in the future, we might be invited and talk about more creepy stuff. I have <sighs> one about a Ouija board and me not remembering two minutes of what happened where, while I was touching the pendulum. Maybe in the future, we can talk about that. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> we are Umberto and Jonas from Spilling the Crime. Thank you so much, Cryptic. If you like uh, true crime and yeah. other things, uh, just give us a listen and yeah. enjoy. We also drink and eat snacks yeah. while talking about this. Thank so you, you will get some so much for episodes. your invite. Bye. Thank you. Kisses. Bye. They are spot on with the idea of eating and drinking while doing a podcast. Kylie, do you want me to bring you some snacks? Yes, I need all the snacks. <laughs> That's all I ever need. Well, I gotta tell you, we are not stealing their thing. I am so sorry. Okay. However. Wow. However, talking about stealing crazy things, they stole Chelsea's idea with talking about terrifying things. Yeah, no. AKA sleep paralysis. Hey, Hell no. Dude, that was the hat man. A hundred percent. I was like on the fence about like believing in the hat man f fully like i was like sleep paralysis yes but like the hat man version of everything no but, but now, now? <laughs> mm -mm. nope i i am i am slightly more convinced that this is this is a thing and i'm i am nervous i don't want to sleep i Honestly, think that I don't know if I could handle any more callers tonight. You guys are terrifying me. Seriously. And then the first sleep. one. So we have the same type of like versions. They're just like sirens. So they're more mermaid ish. Um, more pirates. They're very piratey. But yeah, that 
I don't enjoy getting my heart eaten, and I don't enjoy. Are you sure? Nom nom nom. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) That was probably the best part of the phone call. We were having to control ourselves over here. That was that was amazing. That was hilarious. But I don't want to sleep. I am genuinely terrified. Hey guys, it's Taylor from Lab Monkey Creative, the editor of this special episode. And I just wanted to give out some thank yous to the True Crime Podcast community members who submitted for this episode. There was In the Nick of Crime, Morning Cup of Murder, Crime Scenes and Cupcakes, Murder You Know, Dark Tales from the Road, The Toon Junkies Podcast, Not Adding Up Podcast, Creme de la Crime Podcast, and Spilling the Crime. And of course, thank you to our co-hosts, Damon and Kylie and Dina from Our Own Cryptic Soup. Thank you all again, and it was a pleasure putting together this episode. I will say that out of all of them tonight, I don't know which one scared me the most. I... It's Siren Head still. I will say, Courtney from In the Nick of Crime ruined my day, my night, and my year. But I love you. Uh, I think... Mm. I mean, honestly, probably the one thing that really scared me because ghosts creep me the fuck out is the morning cup of murder. Um, Karina, that's terrifying. Oh, having children live in your house... Living in the old, uh, what is it called? Orphanage, orphanage, like grounds, like grounds of anything. Living in the ground, on the grounds of anything that used to be is terrifying to me. You know what it's giving me? It's giving me like Lanier in the archives vibes and I'm not here for it. No, you guys. Nope. Not at all. I, I, you know what? I, I'm honest. I'm tapping out tonight. I can't handle any more callers. I know we got calls up the wazoos. You guys, I can't handle another call tonight. I can't either. I can't. I think we need to... Damon's giving us the eyes. Damon wants to keep going. Damon wants to go all night. Damon, we'll do another goddamn show. We're not doing it tonight. Fucking God, man. Man wants to keep going. (laughs) Sir, we have normal sleep schedules we have to attend to here. I don't know. I don't know if I can sleep (laughs) at this point. So at this point, I think... I think we should just say happy Halloween and we should let you guys go off and be scared your goddamn selves because we're done scaring you. Yeah, go eat some candy. And, and, and sleep soundly to the sleep paralysis ghosts in your in your attic of well, you killer, hear, killer cats. Well, you hear potatoes being dragged <laughs> down the goddamn hallway. Yeah, no big deal. No biggie, though. It, maybe it's just the siren head outside mm. making the noise. Oh, <laughs> that's so creepy. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I think that we should resume these calls another day you guys and I think Kylie and I should just tell you to uh have a good happy Halloween and that you should tune in for the regular episode next week I think it's tomorrow is it? yeah I thought Halloween's this was on, on a Mon- Sunday Halloween's a Monday I thought it was a Sunday Halloween is a Monday I know because I'm training new people that's bogus it's a Monday got him. and on that note it's not just us you gotta now start listening to. Listen to all these crazy stories you've heard tonight. There's some pretty wild podcasts out there you could ch- you could check. What? You wanna check them out? <laughs> Give them a check? <laughs> well, check it. Check, check a Give them a listen. You wanna, it uh, isn't It isn't a full... <laughs> it, isn't, it isn't a full recorded episode <laughs> <laughs> 
tell Athena fuck something up. I did so good, you too. You really did. You really I've been did. killing it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, oh, you check, oh. just check them out. No, but for real, check them out. They are awesome, amazing. They bring new things and different things to the table. So, And I mean, we're going to post everyone on the Instagram to just say also, thank you so much for making this episode possible. Guess what? It's not going to be the only one. Absolutely not. It's going to happen again. So it's already in the works, guys. It's already in the works. You know where it is? In the works. <laughs> Do you know where the works are? They're in the happening. <laughs> so stay tuned. You're so corny. Hey, that's my line. <laughs> so don't stay tuned because Kylie hasn't said it yet, motherfuckers. <laughs> Do whatever the fuck you want. But don't stay tuned because Kylie hasn't said shit about it yet. Also, we just posted our Facebook. So make sure you join in on the conversation on our Facebook page. You can find us by searching Cryptic Soup Pod. Um, and then also follow the Instagram, which is at Cryptic Soup Pod, where our DMs are always open for suggestions. So slide on in. And uh, we're going to just, you know, shout out all these people so you guys can find some new fun things to become hooked on as much as we have because we want you guys to fall in love with spilling and creme and not adding up and all those that we've had in here tonight because honestly doesn't everyone need some morning cup of murders hell and hell more yeah. so guys thank you so much for staying tuned check out the instagram and uh we'll see you for the next episode tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> happy halloween stay tuned